Welcome to the Efficient Private Clients Podcast, where we delve into the intricacies of the financial world and bring you our latest market and economic expertise. On this session, we are having a look at the world of politics, and more specifically, the ruling ideologies. I am Kyle Poppy, an investment specialist at Efficient Private Clients and your host for today. We are joined in studio by Darby Root, our Director and Chief Economist. Darby, the history of politics dates back to the ancient Mesopotamians and Egyptians, where monarchs ruled in absolution. However, today the political landscape is somewhat different. Could you explain some of our major ideologies and where we see things going in the 20th century? Yeah, thank you. Well, actually, the world of ideologies goes back even further. You can actually go back as far as 15 to 20,000 years ago Jeez, when we okay. really started. And the reason why I like to start there is because this thing that we call the economy or civilization started about 15, 20,000 years ago. And it's very interesting to, to understand where it all comes from. It all comes from the domestication of, of animals initially and then later on the domestication of plants. But what is eventually happened is that we started living together. And yes. the moment you start living together, then there's got to be some rules, some kind of rules. Mm. Uh, and especially when we started producing plants, we produced huge surpluses and eventually cities got quite, quite big. And we started specializing in certain things, like for example, you had the farmers, you had the, the guards, but they turned eventually into our armies, mm-hmm. you had the priests. Uh, religion became important as well and obviously the ruling classes were there as well. Initially they were kings and it really depended on, on, on society to society but gradually over time what became quite clear is that kings became quite, well, quite, uh, quite powerful. Yes. And you got very extreme kind of kingdoms or tsardoms or whatever the case might mm. be and in Depending some instances very much and they were in some cases real dictators mm. becoming, becoming total uh, 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 monarchs and whatever they decide that was law. Yes. But of course you had alternatives as well where kings only ruled because people allowed them to rule. Mm-hmm. And eventually we got some other kinds of political institutions like I mean the Greeks for example is quite well known for starting this thing that we call democracy. Correct. And all these sort of things of course had an impact on, on policies, so if it was the king, the king owned anyth- everything quite often. Mm. So if you want a piece of land, you have to get the permission of the, the king to get a piece of land. Or if it is a democracy, then you can become the individual owner mm. of a piece of land, as an example, and you can work that piece of land. So, so that's how the th- thing eventually evolved. And today we find ourselves in a world where the various ideologies have been well described and we can talk uh, on the one hand, the one extreme, let's call it an extreme, is people quite often talk about capitalism versus socialism or communism. I think those are wrong terminologies, so those okay. are the wrong words. I prefer to call the one extreme, let's call it, well, you can call it, you can go really extreme and call it anarchism if you want mm-hmm. to, but let's yes. call it free individual freedom for everybody okay. to understand. So that's the one extreme. And the other extreme is, let's call it, very little or no individual freedom or then uh, it, that individual freedom is replaced by let's call it group protection if you like yes so uh, so in, in today's language i guess we can call the one system a free market system where the individual and individual rights are very important and the protection of private property rights are very important and the other extreme which we call today socialism or communism uh, where the important part is, is that everything belongs to everybody yes yeah. and the individual is not that important and protection of private property rights are not that important yeah. so, so those are the two extremes greater good yeah well at least that's how they put it yes exactly it's for the greater group they, but to remember there, and of course, many uh, um, there were so many writers and philosophers that really 
analyzed all these various ideologies and wrote a lot about that. And some of the great writers are like, for example, Karl Marx. Yes. Karl Marx was a philosopher, on, let's call it on the left. Mm -hmm. He was a socialist or a communist and he talked about communist revolutions and everything about communism. And then on the other extreme, we've got many writers like, for example, oh, there are so many of them, von Hayek, for example, von Mises, for example, even Milton Friedman, all those guys, Schumpeter, they were all real advocates of a free market e economy. And in practice, what happens is that you don't have a pure form of either. There's no pure form of real uh, unbridled libertarianism. There's mm. also no pure form, and there never has been any pure absolute form of capital or communism, for example. Yeah. So it's always a mixture somewhere in between. I see, I see. So it's, it's actually quite crazy if you have a look that we, we kind of stick to these ideologies in the sense of we want to say this is what we're going to do, but we have to kind of substitute in certain places, otherwise it just it doesn't seem to work in practice. Well, you know, many of these ideologies have been tried at various forms. We know, for example, the Soviet Union tried tried communism. They tried the real, and in fact, they went quite far with this idea of communism. They called it scientific communism, okay. uh, where they really fine-tuned or tried to fine-tune the economy down to the level of households. Mm. So households, they calculated how many, how many calories you need to survive. Yes, yes. And then you were paid accordingly. And everything was planned. That's why a communist system is also called a centrally planned system. Mm. And in the end, somebody's got to make a decision, and it's usually the, usually the politicians, and they're in a position of power always. And yes. communist systems always turn out to be uh, dictatorships in one way or the other. Exactly. Uh, and it's a ruling class that benefit mostly from a communist system and not the people as they pretend it to be. So it's not mm. the people that get the benefits out of a communist system, but it is the ruling class without yes. a doubt. Well, we also don't have a pure form of real libertarianism or a real free market system. We're trying to get there mm. and private property rights are very important in many places of the world. Uh, but if you stand back a little bit and you analyze these various ideologies and you see which one of those countries were more successful, mm. the ones that followed more free market individual freedom kind of approach or the other ones that followed more a, a socialist or collective kind of approach. And there's absolutely no doubt that the more free market approach was the approach that resulted in much better economic growth and much more wealth creation to the benefit of everybody eventually. Yes, exactly. I saw a very interesting article kind of discussing how communism works and whether or not it actually produces results. And the article basically concluded that, yes, it does produce results, but the moment that it doesn't, watch how that country will change, especially for that ruling party. Often communism has masses. So when the masses turn on that party, it, it just goes completely pear-shaped. Well, yeah, that's quite a bit of an irony because uh, Karl Marx himself, he said that uh, capitalism, what will happen on a capitalist system is that the rich will become richer and the poor will become poorer and eventually there will be a revolution. So that is his basis, basic criticism against uh, uh, capitalism. And he suggested, can't we get a system where the rich doesn't get richer, the poor doesn't get poorer, but everybody sort of maintains the same living standard and we all get better off and there's a rolling revolution. Mm. It's a, like a continuous re revolution. It's not yes. a once-off thing. God that is, <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not something that destroys everything like a capitalist kind of a revolution, but it's yes. a rolling 
kind of uh, revolution. That's what he envisaged. Mm. In practice, what happened is that exactly the opposite. Because mm. in communist systems, the like I've said, is that the ruling elite became the, the the power holders. They became the wealthy people. They were everything was about them. They yes. make the most important decisions. They are pretending to do it for the people and for mm. the ma mm. masses. In practice, that did not happen. Exactly. And in most cases, those communist regimes either got toppled or they transformed themselves into something else. Mm. And a very good example is, for example, the Chinese, which yes. nominally, they are still nominally uh, communists, but in yes. practice, they are following free market principles. Mm. And that is the reason why we saw this absolute miracle economic growth in China the past 30 years or so. Yes. And if we just touch on democracy, how did democracy change the environment? The reason I ask it like that is democracy allows everyone to vote, <laughs> but not everyone understands politics. Yeah. Well, you know, democracy, if you ask Karl Marx, he will tell you that communism is the purest form of, of democracy <laughs> because everybody's got to vote. You only can vote for the vanguard party, yes, by the way. But everybody, uh, can, vote. <laughs> but everybody can vote. So depending who you ask, but the real democracy in Karl Marx's view is the real communism. That's his view of real com uh, uh, democracy. Of course, the free market libertarian guys, they say, no, um, a democracy is not about uh, an unbridled form of uh, democracy where everybody votes about everything, mm. democracy should in fact be limited. Now let me give you a good example of where I actually support a limited democracy. I believe that uh, the majority should decide about collective goods, things okay. that the democracy, the, the majority should decide about. Mm. And I can give you an example. So we want the police to look after us and we uh, through the process of democracy, we elect somebody, a government, that provides police force to look after us. Mm. But the majority should not have a say on whether I want to drink brandy. That's my decision. Yeah. So if the majority says, listen, Darby is not allowed to drink brandy because he's a bad guy, mm. uh, then th that's nothing to do with the, the majority. The majority cannot tell me where to live. The yes. majority cannot, cannot tell me what to eat, what to drink, or who to get married to. Those are individual decisions. That's exactly. a decision based on my individual preferences has nothing to do with the majority. Um, and that, in my view, is actually the correct form of democracy. Mm -hmm. Democracy cannot be total. Democracy must be limited to collective goods, things that are important for, for the group. Mm -hmm. And certainly the group has no right to prescribe to the individual what to do about personal things, like, for example, what I want to eat or drink or I want to get married to. Mm, decisions for the greater good, for the greater people and that's that. Collective decisions over collective goods, but yes. individual decisions over individual goods. Perfect. It makes wonderful sense. Thank you, Darby. Until next time.